between the life we see and the world we dream, there are stories when they are told. Nightmares become imagination. So please. <laughs> Thomas, you aren't. Hello to the guild. I hope you didn't lose any time looking for this episode. Welcome to the Dim Light Anxiety Podcast. <laughs> I am your host, Giggles. If I am counting my moments, I am always counting them in laughter. <laughs> it's my defense mechanism, meaning when I am scared, I laugh even more. But you guys know this. <laughs> Which brings up the question, can you scare the laughter out of me? If you think you're up to the task, Email your terror tale to dimlightanxiety at gmail.com. What's your story? On the topic of series, as today's episode is, just in case you weren't paying attention, (laughs) I finally watched the new Scream movie for the first time. And guys, not only was I the only one watching the film, But I think I was like one of two customers in the entire building when I arrived. For a Scream movie, that definitely added another level of fear. (laughs) But I laughed lots and not out of fear. But that can also be par for the course for Scream. It's kind of why I like it. (laughs) I hated it who they chose for the killers, though. They just weren't very good at that, like... I'm a psycho killer acting style. I don't know. Really bugged me. Samantha, though, saved that whole section. Sorry, I just had to talk on that for a second. (laughs) Moving on. Next week, like I did for Halloween last season, you guys get an extra episode in celebration of Bloody Valentine's Day. (laughs) It is my second favorite day to watch scary movies. A tradition that started back in college. Nothing like some blood and gore to put you right in the mood. (laughs) I hope it doesn't disturb my roommate's date too much. (laughs) So be sure to check in on February 14th if you want some extra scary content to spice up the day. The regularly scheduled episode is still going to come out the next day, that Tuesday, so... No fear there. Well, not until the story, anyway. (laughs) On the topic of the story, today's nightmares are brought to you by the talented Reddit author with the username Destroyed777. Here's a sample of last week's episode to get your memory ticking again. We walked continuously for about 10 minutes, and my mind started to run wild as I struggled to comprehend just how many radios must be down here. The place just kept going, like a massive library with endless bookshelves, except this was old radios. The months turned into years. I had almost forgotten about the museum until a random article in a magazine got my attention. It had been over six years since I had been to the museum, so I figured it was about time to take a trip out to Washington to see how the place was doing. 
submitted for the approval to the guild with dim light anxiety, I call this story The Tale of the Radios in the Basement, Part 2. Once I had everything ready to set off, it was about an eight-hour drive from where I lived, so I arrived pretty late in the day, past the time in which the museum closed. I had just booked a hotel for the night so I could go to the museum the next day. I got up pretty early the next morning and started driving to the museum, which isn't too far from the hotel. While on the way, I remembered that basement, how surreal it felt being down there, how there seemed to be no end to it, and how for some reason I had never been told about it. I figured I'd have to have another look down there after all. It couldn't be that big, right? I was quite young when I originally went down there, so perhaps my young mind had just exaggerated its size. I arrived at the museum and greeted all my old friends at the front desk and then went to the shop in the back to greet John. We walked around the museum and talked for hours about the times we spent together and the electronics we had worked on. Eventually, I asked him where Tana, the co-founder, was, as I hadn't seen him yet. It had been a very cheerful conversation up until this point, but as soon as I asked about Tana, a look of visible distress washed over John's face. He did his best to hide it, but I knew something was wrong. Tana is... he's... he's not here right now, said John. He promptly changed the subject and started talking about a radio he built. I went along with it, and we talked for maybe another hour before I remembered the basement. Do you remember that time where we couldn't find that rare part we needed and we had to go into the basement to get a replacement? I asked him. John then gave me a puzzled look and replied, I, I don't think I remember what you're talking about, but we don't have a basement. What, what do you mean? I said, taken aback. I remember going down there to try to find that part we needed. We don't have a basement, John stated more firmly this time. I remember the time you're talking about. I found that part in a box, not a basement. If this is some sort of joke, it isn't funny, I replied, slightly annoyed now. The entrance to the basement was right there. I pointed to the dark corner where I remembered the door being. I don't know what you're remembering, but there sure as hell isn't a door there, John answered, pointing to the corner. I looked, and he was right. There was no door to be seen, only a set of metal shelves filled with boxes. Maybe you just imagined it or something, because, as you can see, there is no basement in this building, and there never has been, John insisted. He then went to talk to someone in the front desk, and I sat down to collect my thoughts. Perhaps I really did just imagine it, I thought to myself. Or 
perhaps it was all just a dream. All I knew is that I couldn't make any sense of it. I walked over to the corner again and looked at the shelves. Surely that door had been right here. It couldn't have just disappeared. To hell with what John said. I know what I saw. I walked out onto the main museum floor and saw John talking with the lady at the front desk. Knowing John, it would be a long conversation. This is my chance, I thought. I ran back into the shop and over to the corner and looked at the shelves again. I knew it had to be there. I grabbed one corner of the shelves and pulled it across the floor. It was extremely heavy, but I eventually managed to pull it out a good distance. I looked behind it, and sure enough, there was the door. Its handle had been removed, but it was the same door nonetheless. I put my finger in the hole where the handle used to be and pulled it outwards. It creaked open, and the smell of musty carpets filled my nose. I walked down the creaky wooden steps until I reached the bottom. I felt around for the light switch, and it flicked it on. But nothing happened. Damn it, I muttered to myself. Those old lights must have finally given up. I pulled out my phone and turned the flashlight on, illuminating a small area in front of me. I started to walk down one of those rows of shelves. The last thing I wanted to do was get lost, so I decided to stay close to the wall parallel to the store stairs. So I decided to stay close to the wall parallel to the stairs. But eventually, mainly due to getting distracted by the radios, I ended up straying away from it. It was exactly as I remembered. Endless rows of shelves packed with radios like the prophecy room in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. I just kept walking onwards and onwards, scanning my phone light from shelf to shelf, constantly impressed by the pristine condition of the radios on them, occasionally stopping to admire a few. I was so distracted that eventually it dawned on me I had no idea how long I had been down there. I had no idea how far I had walked. Hell, I had no idea where I even was. All I knew was I had been walking away from the stairs. But that was my only clue as to where in this I was in this colossal space. I stopped walking to get my bearings and shined my phone light in all directions around me. It didn't illuminate much, but as far as I could tell, there were shelves in every direction. It was so faint at first that I thought it was my imagination. But as I quieted my breathing and listened closely, I could definitely hear a noise. It seemed to be coming from somewhere in the distance and slightly left of the direction I was walking. I couldn't tell what it was, but against my better judgment, 
I started walking towards it. As I got closer and closer, my gut started to tell me more and more that I should just turn back and leave now while I still had the chance. As I got even closer, I could hear better what the noise was. It sounded distinctly like static. My gut twisted and I rounded the corner of a shelf and I saw what was making the noise. It was a radio and it was on. The dial light cast a pale yellow light into the darkness around it and empty static blared from its speaker. A thousand questions ran through my mind at once. Who? What? What? How? Out here? I realized with a jolt that I didn't see anywhere that I could, it could be plugged in. I was genuinely creeped out and took this as my cue to leap immediately and started half walking, half jogging down the rows back in the direction I came. I hadn't made more than ten feet when I once again stopped. I could hear more static, but this time it was closer. I peeked through a gap in one of the shelves and I saw another radio on the adjacent shelf, the same empty static coming out of its speaker. I unconsciously backed away towards the shelf behind me and I started to mentally prepare myself to sprint as fast as I could back to the stairs. But before I could even move, a click and a loud pop of static from right behind my head made me jump out of my skin. I fell to the floor in shock, dropping my phone in the process. I felt around in the dark with shaking hands and luckily found it. I got up and looked at the spot where I was just standing to see there was another radio that was on. I knew I had to get out of there as fast as I could, but in that moment, I was petrified with fear. I started slowly walking backwards, as that was the only thing my shaking legs would permit me to do. And as I did so, I started hearing more clicks and more static coming from all directions around me. I started seeing more dial lights cast an eerie yellow glow into the darkness, and all the while, the sound of static was getting louder and louder. Suddenly I heard a much louder click to my left. I jumped in fear and slowly turned my head in the direction of the sound, afraid of what I might see. My heart dropped into my stomach as I saw what made the sound. Every single radio on the shelf next, next to me was on. The dial light shining like yellow eyes in the dark. This time I ran. I ran so fast that my feet barely even touched the floor. Don't ask me how I knew, but in that moment I knew that if I did not get the hell out of there, I would never leave that basement. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't care. I just ran back in the direction of the stairs as fast as my legs could possibly take me, somehow managing to keep a hold of my phone, which was my only source of light. 
I heard loud clicks follow me as the shelves behind me turned on in unison, and it was catching up. The more I ran, the closer the clicks got behind me until they were only one row away. My lungs were burning and my legs were about to give out when I caught a glimpse of it in the light of my phone. It was the back wall, the one perpendicular to the stairs. Seeing this, I took on a burst of speed I never knew I had in me, and I practically slammed into it. I turned and ran to the left along the wall as I knew I would eventually reach the stairs. My body was already starting to give up and I could feel myself slowing down, but I knew I had to keep going. I risked stealing a glance to my right at the shelves and saw that every radio was on. The static was now deafening, and I could only imagine that every single radio in the entire basement was on. I looked ahead of me and saw that I was only about five rows of shelves away from the stairs, it was at that moment that I felt I might actually make it out. I was about 20 feet away from the stairs when it happened. I noticed the static got quieter all of a sudden, and then I heard it, a voice. It was a deafeningly loud, screaming voice distorted with static, and it came out of the speaker of every single radio in the entire basement. Help! 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 Me! Me! I scrambled up the stairs like a frantic little kid and slammed the door as hard as I could. I didn't stop and rest until I had pushed those metal shelves back in front of the door. I fell down to the floor and struggled to fill my burning lungs with oxygen. I eventually sat down on a chair and tried to make sense of what had just happened, but my mind drew a blank. There was just no explanation for any of it. The seemingly never-ending basement, the radios turning on by themselves, or that horrifying voice I heard coming out of them. Hey, are you okay? I thought I heard a door slam back here, asked John as he walked out of the shop. He gave me a worried look as I tried to get my breathing under control. I debated whether or not to tell him what had just happened, but finally chose to spill the whole story. I expected him not to believe me, but when I finished, he just sat and stared at the wall. He had gone pale, like he had seen a ghost, and his hands were shaking. Jo John, are you okay? I asked him, putting my hand on his shoulder. It happened last year, said John, finally speaking. T Tana was here in the shop working on something when he needed a part and had gone down to the basement to find it. I was conducting a guided tour. I, and I didn't notice he hadn't come back up until it was time to close the museum for the night. You, you mean to say, 
I began. Just to be sure, we checked on the security cameras, and it clearly showed him going down, but he never came back up. Of course, we went down there to look for him, but when we went down, we noticed the lights didn't work. I remembered we all felt like we needed to get out of that basement, but we couldn't put our finger on it. After that, we got the police involved, but he was never found. He just disappeared without a trace down there. That's when I hit the door and started telling people there wasn't a basement at all. Hell, the newer staff don't even know to begin with, and... It's going to stay that way. What? What is that place? How is it so big? I, I don't understand it. I asked him frantically. If I knew, I'd tell you. It was built long before this place became a museum. It is now. And the shelves were already there. We had a lot of connections back then. And to be honest, acquired way more radios than we needed through donations and the like. So we just put them all down there. The weird part is, he said, lowering his voice a little, I don't remember it being very big when we originally put the radios down there. It seemed to get a little bigger every time one of us went down there until eventually it seemed endless. We sat in silence, not saying anything after that. About ten minutes passed. He looked at his watch and said, We better close up. I said goodbye to John and my friends and drove back to the hotel. The incident and the story John told me still fresh in my mind. That was crazy. What? Like, do you think he's in the radios or maybe the radio waves? Or is it something more sadistic than that? I love the creepy aspect of this. I wouldn't be able to resist taking another look in that basement either. I would be a goner. <laughs> well, you heard it too. What do you think? Would you be able to escape the static? Or better question, can you write a scarier story? Can you scare the laughter out of me? <laughs> now for the details. If you want to be a more active part of the guild, check out the website. Everything, and I do mean everything you need to know, is on that website. Oh wait, what is the website you ask? It is just the name of the podcast with a .com at the end. That's dimlightanxiety.com. I also want to give one final shout out to our fabulous writer with the username Destroyed777 that you guys can find on Reddit. If you're uncertain of the spelling, just check it out in the description of this episode. Now for something to tease your nightmares. As we all know, nightmares are a terrible thing to waste. 
So this week's writing prompt is, I saw the blood ooze as her cracked chest exposed her beautiful red heart, still beating, but beginning to slow. Add that to some part of your story, then email it to me so I can bring it to life. Finally, please give me a like, five-star review, and download on Apple, Spotify, Google, or any podcast podcast listening platform you use. (laughs) It really, really helps get these stories out there. You guys have been patient enough, so here's your treat. The ending of the spooky two-episode story. A story that will definitely haunt my nightmares. Enjoy, if you dare. I've been back to the museum once since that incident took place. And I was happy to see that the entrance to that hellish basement had been completely sealed up. Just a plain white wall was left where the door used to be. Me and John never talked about what happened, and if anyone asks about Tana, we say he died in a car crash. I still think about that day, all the time, and I still can't make sense of any of it. But one thing's for sure, that basement is some kind of anomaly, and Tana was its first victim. I firmly believe that if I hadn't made it to those steps when I did, I would have been next. I declare this meeting of the Guild with Dim Light Anxiety closed. Until next week, don't lose track of time and creep it real. <laughs> this podcast does not condone any physical harm on yourself or others. These are fictional stories intended only for entertainment.